Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2015 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me this week is the one, the only, Bradley Haig. Yeah, you are. Hey, Brad, did you know we have a new sponsor that started last week? You know what? Don't worry. There's there's no maximum risk when you buy from this double team flower shop. Uh, let's play their uh, commercial. Hi, I'm Kurt Sloan, and last week me and my dad, Colonel Luke, started Double Team Flowers, a flower delivery business. We have flowers for any occasion. Problems with your lady? Double teamed. Consoling a friend after the loss of a loved one? Double T. And your other lady? Double T. Or that tragic moment when you lose your best friend? Double T. We have many bouquets to choose from, including the Legionnaire, the Lionheart, or the Quest. And now, with our special delivery van, we can bring the flowers to you! Great job. Double Team Flowers. Call 467-555-5283. Let us service the one you love. That was awesome. Right off the top. That's all right. What's the one about this week? Oh, here it is right now. No, you're not going to have it done by the time we post this? You haven't even posted last week's episode. Yeah, I better finish it. If you're wondering what we're talking about, here's a trailer for Brad's new movie, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. In the most corrupt city in America, Mayor Thomas Knob is king. I own this city! But he's about to get Van Damme. Order's not a problem. We have a new one. Oh my gosh. From the producers of Thunderbolt. Get the damn van! Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. 
up, bitches. And I know. And now we have another filmmaker with us, Zach Eastman. Hey, what's up, buddy? That's right. Uh, you know, I did see you in the trailer. <laughs> or maybe it was a still from the... Was it a still that you posted? No, that's from next week. Uh, mm. like oh, okay. It was a still then. It still counts. I know. I was really stoked today. I went out and I went to Second Spin. I'm doing a Tom Cruise marathon, and some of his Blu-rays are kind of hard to find, and I don't want to pay a lot of money for them. Yeah, I know. So I, Brad has been talking about Jean Claude Van Damme so long, and my favorite Van Damme movie is Death Warrant, and the Blu-rays I've seen, but they're, they've been like fifteen, fourteen dollars, and they had it there for ten bucks. I'm like sold. <laughs> really. Really? That's the only one I saw, though. I didn't see any other ones. Mm-hmm. I know. It's my favorite Van Damme. I haven't seen it in years. I just remember the Sandman's in it. And does he kill his partner or his wife, the Sandman? Mm-hmm. I remember the beginning where Van Damme thinks he kills him or something. I can't... I've... Yeah, 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 yeah. And why does he go undercover in the prison again? I forget. That's right. I haven't seen this movie in years. Wait, spoilers! He's supposed to be dead, dude. <laughs> See, Eastman hasn't seen it. <laughs> uh, it's it's my favorite one. I really like. Uh, Universal Soldier and things like that, but I still like Death Warrant's my favorite. Do you have a favorite one, Brad, of Van Damme? Have I asked you this before? Really? What do you like about Street Fighter? Really think so? I haven't seen it in years. I think it's a piece of shit, but I'm going to. I mean, I'm not intimidated by Raul Julia playing M. Bison, so... <laughs> Really? Because I always think that it's exquisite acting when he goes, who wants to stay here? Who wants to go with me? In his Belgian accent, he's supposed to be American. I don't know. Yeah, Arnold's better at it. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? Do you have it? Do you have Street Fighter? You should let me borrow it. It's all right. Am I missing a lot if it's upgraded on Blu-ray? <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty good, though. I... Yeah. When I went to Second Spin, I found The Color of Money, which I've never seen, which I've really wanted to see. That is my favorite part. Is it? And then uh, All the Right and all the right Moves. And uh, I remember seeing that a long time ago, and it's a really dorky high school football movie. I know. I can't wait to see it. So, Do you? Nice. It is rated R. I did see that. It was rated R. <laughs> right? So uh, hopefully it looks great in high definition. Um, every week we go see a new movie. This week we went and saw Birdman. Everybody saw Birdman here, right? Um, cool. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. We'll spoil it. We'll play the trailer and then we'll spoil it for you. Um, we also talk about movies we've watched, movie news.
um, stuff that's coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, I don't even have a comic book this week. I haven't really read any. Sweet. Someone's got a comic book for us. Someone always spells us out. I mean, I can always pull one out of my ass, but it's hard not being Spider-Man. And it has, like, shit stains on it. It smells. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, and, hey, Zach, you know, you're finally here. Thanks for taking over for me for a couple weeks. Um, getting a couple guests on. It was fun. Nice. Um, you might Please do. Too bad. I'm do it Fuck um, you. <laughs> um, I managed to get an interview when uh, Brad and James were hanging out with Cora um, during the Let's Eat Pops episode. I managed to get an interview with director Dan Schechter from Jurassic Sweet. You know, that'll probably be up in about a year and a half or so, whenever the rest of our interviews go up. Nice. No, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Is it? Yes. So you can put this one up. You can't put up other ones. You fucking piece of shit. We have people that have been waiting. Anyways, here's the interview with uh, the director of Life of Crime. Um, welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2015 and beyond. I am Zach Eastman, and I have in with in a car with me the director of Life of Crime, and we got him for three. Count him three questions. We were very lucky to get him, so please welcome Dan Schechter. Hey, guys. are you really the official podcast of the Denver Festival now? Um, that's what Ryan says. Like, I, I've been to the Comic Con a few times out there, and I don't really pay attention. I don't go to their panel because you know they they don't invite me. So what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm guest hosting for them now, and but you know. I think that they're, um, they, they definitely support it, and they're definitely, like, they're the most popular podcasting booth at the Denver Comic Con, for, to my knowledge. Cool. And I went there, and, like, I had a few people come up to me, and they were talking about how they, like, um, how they love that they are able to go and record their own interviews at the podcast table at the Comic Con. Yeah, I bet you every filmmaker you ask to an interview will say, yes, filmmakers love to do that stuff, and I've done so many things, I have no idea where they've ever gone. <laughs> All those different interviews, different things like we're just like, I've got to talk about myself for a little bit. Well, you just want to convince yourself that you're there to actually help promote the movie, and that's not just a total indulgence to go to another film festival. Well, if nothing else, you can consider this a mini film festival. Welcome to this film festival. It's in this car. It's one hour, and it's just one panel. All right, sweet. <laughs> so, um, the first question that I had is, um, you. This is a prequel to Jackie Brown. Um, so, what what kind of thoughts did you have going into the project like did you did you look to Jackie Brown for any influence or did you stay away from that whole deal and just try to make your own film well to be clear okay so my book was called The Switch and mm -hmm. Tarantino's book was called Rum Punch so there was a pre-existing set of books written by Elmore Leonard where those characters kind of existed right. and I hope when people see the movie they see I'm clearly not trying to copy Quentin Tarantino I'm more oh, trying yeah. to copy like the Coen brothers or something <laughs> like that but, but I, I actually thought that was pretty clear uh, when you good yeah um, but uh, I thought that Jackie Brown, to me, was the best I'd ever seen Elmore Leonard adapted. It was the closest to what I experienced a tone as I read one of Elmore Leonard's books. Um, so that's why it was such a huge... And I love that movie. I've probably seen it just 12 times, just because I watch it every other year since it came out. It's just one of those movies that I As you adore. must. Yeah. I, it's my favorite movie of all time. So. Wow, I didn't know that you liked it that much. Yeah. yeah. I love it a lot, too. It's, it's so, like, when you when you said you were making the film, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's how I feel about it, too, and that's why I was always excited to talk to you about it, because you were like, 
you were like the little me in me that I thought would get a huge kick out of doing this, and I'm, I'm a, still blown away that I got to do it. I, I really hope I'm that little voice that, like, you're in the editing table, and you're like, God, I can't do this, and then you're just hearing my voice going like, you can do it! Yeah, go the distance. Um, <laughs> if that's what you want to think about yourself, go right ahead. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was a huge treat. That was definitely part of what attracted me to the book to begin with, and uh, combined with the fact that I had seven awesome roles that I really believed I could get seven really good actors for. Right. Speaking of the actors, um, Tim Robbins, an actor we don't see that often very much anymore, but like when you see him, he definitely gives his all per, per, for a performance. What was it like working with him? It was pretty exciting because not only was he an Oscar-winning actor, he's an Oscar-nominated director, so I would talk to him a lot about directing when we were on set, just kind of kicking it and hanging out. And then, you know, he's also an actor, and sometimes... I wouldn't love a take, and I'd give a note, and if it, you're just reminded this is all the same at every level. They still need a director, and they want to please that person, and it's your job to remind them of the world that we're, we're in. But he, there's so many little playful jokes that he added. You know, he has all these little bits with Isla Fisher where she's like, uh, I don't know if that was really your wife on the phone. It was definitely my wife. Trust me. All these kind of ad-libs back and forth. Yeah. He was very playful and loved to, to add. That whole scene where they're fooling, where he's just like, she's not convinced that uh, the wife was on the phone. And um, speaking of like see, speaking of scenes, one of my favorite scenes in the movie involves the Nazi. Um, he's about to shoot the dog, but he's about to shoot. He's about to shoot Will Forte, and uh, the car backs out, backs around, and you just see that dog, and then he just shoots at the dog. Yeah, that's a, like a little bit more of the more intense action scenes in the movie. How long did that take to shoot? And like, what did you like do? Did you have any like preparation that you had to go into for that? That was one of like eight scenes that I had to storyboard. Not that anybody made me, but I really wanted to storyboard, and it looked just like I thought it would. What's also cool about that scene, I think, is that it's basically the one major sequence that I invented. It wasn't in the book, but I wanted to have Will Forte's character and Mark Boone character meet because I thought it made a lot of sense that they would see each other's head wounds, you know, and be like, "Where did are you that guy?" And and it had a slow kind of burn to it that I really sort of dug and then we dealt with stunt people and we dealt with dog people and we had a special effects guy the way we got the bullet to bounce off the ground that wasn't like a visual effect it was a special effect so on set this sort of very sadistic like whatever special effects guy was had a gun that would shoot little sparky pellets at the floor and he kept going pretty close to that dog like way closer than any of us wanted him to and we kept asking him to pull it back and i think he he, he was like into doing that kind of shit like 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 danny mcbride's character and Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. He was, like, yeah. really into explosive <laughs> shit. Yeah. But I love that shot. I was like, oh, I'd never seen that before. A dog running in the foreground and, and, like, a guy shooting the dog and missing and skidding off the ground. If you saw the storyboard, it looked identical to that. So I was really happy with how it came out. That's awesome because that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And then I guess, like, now I'm going to ask a fourth one because this is the one that Ryan, our regular host, would want us to ask. Bonus question. What is it like working with Jennifer Aniston? He's a big Jennifer Aniston fan. He should be a big fan. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect till I got on set with her. And my overall, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about her, thank God, because it's not, it's pretty obvious when I don't like somebody. She's amazing, but my word is I always say she's a pro. Whatever I had the balls or brains to ask her to do, she would do. And she wanted to deliver for the movie. She didn't bring any ego into it or anything. In the time that I had, where there were just the 12 hours a day that we were shooting the movie, she was game to work, to be thrown around, to be pushed around, to be, to go into pretty dark places. Oh, I think yeah. she really does. She's, like, she's amazing. I want to work with her again and again. Fair enough. Well, thank you for doing taking a little time to uh, speak with us about Life of Crime. It's on VOD right now, iTunes. It's in theaters in certain areas across the country. You can check it out there. Um, thanks again for coming out, Dan. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> this is a jam-packed opening episode right in the beginning. I love it.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Please do. It's always fun. Now you're like our inside guy now. Yeah. See, I've always wanted, I've always wanted to do uh, like Real Nerds Presents movies at the Alamo, like and pick my movies I want and do it like once a month. Yeah, it's because you know, and it'd be cool movies. I mean, you guys put Last Action Hero out and Monster Squad. Those are the kind of movies I would pick. You know, something like Running Man, which I haven't seen on the big screen, but are they really? Sweet. I know I was really bummed because I wanted to do the Carrie Elway's event and I went online and they had like four tickets left. and I couldn't get it to purchase. It kept on crashing the site. And then I went a couple days later and they said, yeah, we've had problems. And when, by the time I got there, of course it was sold out. So, but it's all right. It's all right. I digress. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Carrie Elway's will be back for Robin Hood men in tights. Real nerds presents Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> That'd be sweet. I mean, they have, we, they they can project Blu-rays, so we just have to get permission. Oh, jeez. Oh, the 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 commentary on that track is really good. Yeah, we can. Well, we can talk about things. I mean, I watched that episode. Of, uh, sure, sure. I'll I'll freaking tear it apart. But yeah, sounds great. Really? Uh, well. It does. Uh, you know, my favorite... Uh, or did you want to talk about the things we were watching or you want to get into the 666 cut right now? <laughs> you know, my favorite... Actually, Donald Pleasant's Halloween is Halloween 4 because I think he delivers the best line he's ever delivered in any movie. I'm talking his whole career. Um, when he's at the gas station, he sees Michael Myers like in the back of the diner and he says... God damn you. I don't know how he does it. But he says it's so cool and you just feel so much pain when he says it and it's it's a brilliant delivery of that line. Mhm. And the part where he gets to the, you know, the ambulance and he's like, "Where's the body?" and it's just, you know, he it's like it's like he's the only sane person. In this thing, oh, he's not going back to Haddonfield. <laughs> you know, Loomis is just no. Um, yeah, but the Halloween six six six. If you don't know, what we're talking about Halloween six: The Curse of Michael Myers, which is really funny. You know why they named it that? Is because that movie was a curse. Um, it was originally the origin of Michael Myers. Is Halloween six 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 the origin of Michael Myers? And then they went through so much problems with it they change it to the curse because it's literally a curse um but so there is two vastly different versions of this movie extremely different um a lot of time yeah i'd say one 45 hour and 45 minutes the the producers cuts long um and what happened is you know a lot of times when you say oh it's an extended cut or it's a director's cut it's like two or three minutes you basically cut the last 45 minutes of the movie out of it. 
And then they replaced it with um, the scene in the hospital, which doesn't really make any sense either. Um, in the movie, they're trying to explain because they put themselves, they kind of pigeonhole themselves in Halloween 5. They said that Hall- uh, Michael was part of this Order of Thorn or whatever the hell it is. Curse of Thorn. And so the people who wrote it, Daniel Farrens, you mentioned, I mean, he's he's given a bird of like, okay, uh, here's a dude in black, explain it. And, and I mean, Halloween 5 might be my least favorite Halloween. Might be my least favorite. Besides Halloween 3, but that's a different story. <laughs> All right. Um, but anyways, in the producer's cut, uh, instead of going to a hospital, they actually go to this underground monk sanctuary place where Michael is being kept. And he's – and see, here's my biggest – so basically what they're saying is the thorn is someone who's selected, and he's basically an agent of death, and he goes and kills people. Um, my problem with that is you give a motivation to a killer when he's more frightening when he doesn't have one. Um, and that that argument can be made for the zombie ones too. But where zombie, I think, gets away from it is he his Michael is actually terrifying. I think the other Michael Myers, the first Michael, is really good. Yeah, and it's really visceral, and you know, he makes him imposing, and he's scary. I think that Michael is scary. Um, yeah, just he his rage. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he's like seven two or something, but yeah. Um, but in this one, so anyways, they, they make this stupid thing where he's controlled by the, the Druids. Yeah. And the, what was it? Stonehenge. He's controlled. And then they go to this. I know. And so it, the movie just falls apart in its own way. You know, we talked about Jason goes to hell before this, and that's what it feels like to me where there's moments where it, it's starting to elevate the material, but then it gets weighted down by its exposition. And then the last scene where Paul Rudd literally, where Paul Rudd literally makes a, a barrier, like a psychic barrier. And Michael just stops and just uh, stops and uh, doesn't kill anybody. I mean, that's stupid. Right. And, but but this is a thing too. It's also like, it's there. It's, it's Dimension still trying to figure out what they're doing with Michael Myers because this was the first time that that studio had that property in their hands. I, I get that, but, I mean, to me... I'm not giving it an excuse. No, I'm just telling you what yeah, happened. There's <laughs> parts of it that I miss. I actually think not the producer's cut, but um, the one they released theatrically, the part where they're looking across and Michael is killing the girl right. is way scarier. The American beauty scene that yeah. we had discussed. And yeah. That part is terrifying because it's like voyeuristic and you're seeing him being killed from a di- she being killed from a distance. The rest of the stuff like the head exploding and I mean that's stupid. That's not Halloween at all. Um the, but the electrocution scene with the with the yeah. stepfather, the abusive stepfather. Yeah. And every you know, I didn't know uh John Carl Beekler was a effects guy and he directed Friday seven and he yep. also did Jason in Friday seven. And he's my least favorite director of friday the 13th because he telegraphs everything but he's a he's a pretty talented makeup effects artist oh absolutely anyways back so the the producer's cut is just it's still a mess the movie cannot be saved even by the producer's cut right and what's great at the special features they have a making of it i think it's like an hour long and i basically have the same sentiments of um the producer uh malik akkad he said yeah uh the producer's cut might be better but the movie's not good Right, it doesn't matter. And I agree. But it's not as bad as Buster Rhymes doing Bruce Lee and karate chopping <laughs> yep. Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection. Yep. Trick or treat. 
motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Yeah, that's a line. Watch and Lee. Watch and Lee. Watch yeah. and Lee. It's literally, at the end, he's going, and like karate chopping Michael Myers. It's, ridiculous. it's almost as bad as a chain falling on Mike, a net of chains falling on Michael Myers and Loomis beating him with a, oh, wait, <laughs> with a two by four. Halloween did. five. And then, uh, you know, Halloween five just screws the pooch too. And Michael's in a jail cell with handcuffs on. Yep. Yeah, handcuffs on. And he still manages to escape. And he still has his mask on. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> but anyway, hey, highlights of the series though. One and two is great. Um, one and two. Do you like I think, seven? I think four is great. I think seven's H2O, right? Yeah. H2O is great. Yep. Um, because it's it's cool to see Jamie Lee Curtis. And the movie is an hour and 20 minutes long. Plus, it's directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday 2 and 3. So it's someone who knows how to direct that. And I love Friday 3. I love Friday 2, but I love Friday 3. I Friday love 3 one. has my favorite final girl in it. I love Chris Higgins. I think she's so hot. Indeed. Brad is searching for kids. Anyways, Brad, have you seen any Halloween movies? <laughs> well, I think I saw one, the, the remakes, mm-hmm. one, and two, one and two, maybe. Have you not seen the John Carpenter one? I've seen like on TV like that's a good movie, it, you know. The funny thing is the TV version has about 10 more minutes added to it and you know I re- cuz I remember watching and I says when I was watching the zombie remake and they had the scenes at Smith's Grove I'm like I thought this was in you know Carpenter's uh and I started watching it and then I finally saw the TV version in this special edition and he added those scenes because they cut so much of it out they had to go they had to go back and shoot scenes of them at the sanitarium um those but, scenes are really good. There, but well, some of them are. They're not, not bad. Not the scene with uh, Laurie and um, uh, Linda. But, no, I mean um, they're not bad. I mean, I, and it, when you watch it now, it's so tame. There's no way. I, I bet the TV version of Halloween isn't even shown on TV anymore. I'm pretty sure it's just the original Halloween movie. Oh yeah, check on AMC. I'm sure it's just John oh, I'm Carpenter's sure. original vision. Uh, I'm sure. So, yeah, that's that's my feelings of Halloween 666. Right on. What else do we do on the show, Ryan? Um, we talk about box office numbers. This is the box office stats. Last week, Brad contributed to Ouija being number one at the box office. You saw that piece of crap? <laughs> of course not. Uh, it's 19.8 million. We went and saw John Wick, which was 14.4. John Wick was amazing. <laughs> which is a, It's a pretty badass movie. It's awesome. Did did you ever go see it? I did not, and uh, I think I fell asleep through your guys' you review, did. so I didn't even know how what you guys yeah. thought of it. Uh, Brad only woke up when I told him that I was telling James. I says, "Yeah, I, in this world of assassins, you get Mario coins and you trade them in for goods and services." <laughs> I'm not joking; they're like big gold coins. That, that, all the stuff that he's oh, sorry, all the stuff that he's giving to him in the hotel. Like yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> and you get coins in, in exchange for goods and services. Yeah, everybody wants those coins. Yeah, right on. So, so uh, actually, surprising, John Wick did fourteen million. Yeah, because it was did. really lightly marketed. But I think the word of mouth of it, people are saying, "Oh, that's pretty cool." I mean, there's scenes where when they're in that dance club and he's shooting people to the rhythm of the music. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. It's like a straight up '90s late 80s action movie where it's bloody it's tons of cussing and, and the story makes no sense it, whatsoever. well dude if someone killed my dog i'd fucking shoot people too <laughs> uh you know it's funny when i don't know if it's funny but when we went and saw it some lady started crying when they killed the dog in it i would too that was a pretty it was intense i mean was you don't see scene. it you don't see it but you know what he's doing it cuts just before like he strikes the animal was that movie rated r or pg-13 oh rated r totally yeah totally rated r yeah that, that, I was like, what about the time when like john this? wick like hits that dude's neck and it breaks it back and then he shoots him in the head and his eyeball pops out <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it's badass. Yeah, it really happens in that movie. John Check Wick is insane violence. Um, we also not only go see a movie every week, guys. We also watch movies in our spare time. This is stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what did you watch this week? What did I watch this week? Um, I went to the th- movies and I saw a bunch of stuff. Nice. Um, I went and saw John Wick, which, nice. as I said before, I loved it. It's the return of Keanu Reeves. We finally got him back. Oh, it, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I'm like, back in he's, movies. He's still not a great actor, but he still knows how to be an action star. It doesn't star. matter. I'm still going to pay for a ticket to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3. Oh, he's great at Bill and Ted's because it's yep. a stupid character. Uh, <laughs> he what works, I did there? though, in John Wick, though, as like not a smart <laughs> man, but like a very... like. He does. He Some of his lines are kind of clunky, though. I, sometimes he delivers lines in a really clunky way. It's just his action persona. That's his action persona. It's really weird. It's almost like the way... I guess. I mean, he's really good in The Gift. Um, the Gift, absolutely. And I'm Speed. To... I love him in Speed. Yeah, but even, even Speed, though, he's not like... He still has lines where I still think he's force, forcing it. I, but not taking... I think Speed's an entertaining movie. Right. Um, fair enough. But, um, yeah, right on. Then good I saw The Judge. Um, nice. I uh, what, Probably the movie of the year. See, I don't know where you get those ideas from. And uh, it has Robert Downey Jr. in it. Of I, course, I'm it's great. I'm here to dispel those rumors. Uh, Vera Farmiga. Vera uh, Farmiga was hot in it. Um, RDJ was excellent in it. Robert da- Robert Duvall excellent in it. Um, what's her name? Lee um, Leighton Meester sure. was getting it too. Um, I just somehow got bored. Oh, and Billy Bob Thornton was getting that movie yeah. too. But uh, it just the story just felt flat to me. I, I thought it was a. I think it was really well shot, really well acted. Um, I thought some of the, uh, this, it was a little over uh, heavy handed at some points. You know, when they have their big fallout, there's a huge storm brewing and right. stuff like that. It's like goofy, uh, but it doesn't take away from the performances. And the one thing I I think Robert Downey Jr. does better than any actor is his non acting acting. What I mean is um, sometimes when you look. I think that's a tribute of a great actor is what they're doing when people are around them. Um, there's a part where uh, his daughter, you know, puts her uh, hair through her mouth, like the girl he fooled around with. Right. And he thinks that it might be his daughter and he just does this like shiver and it's priceless. And right. I think that's why he's great in that movie. And that was a weird subplot in the movie. It, it was whole, really weird. The whole, I made out with my daughter. Did yeah. I make out with my daughter thing? I yeah. was just like, what is this movie going for? Yeah. Um, and then I watched Halloween 3 Season of the Witch on uh, a big screen. Unfortunately. Not unfortunately. And it actually works as a big screen movie. Like, it's meant know. to be a big screen movie. I don't know. It really is. It's awesome. Here's, the, here's the thing with that. The death uh, scenes in it are amazing. The death scenes are cool. Like, I love the part where the henchman ripped that dude's head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, the, the song, Three more days to Halloween, Halloween. Get stuck in your head. Silver shamrock. But the rest of the movie is lame. And it, it just, I don't know. It it can never get into it. It has moments. Tom Atkins, I think, is a good actor. But it still creeps me out when he hooks up with that chick. Plus, he's married. He comes home late and drunk all the time. Then he he's yells at He's not married. At, he's divorced. That's he's not divorced. Uh, no 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 because they even say in the making of it that he, Tom Atkins says in the making of it that he just leaves his wife behind, um, <laughs> okay, unless there's some de- if there's some deleted scene where he's like oh, I'm divorced I don't think so but he literally picks up a six pack and runs away with some hot young girl to right. to some to place find, in... to find out what was going on in the for the hospital like when the mm-hmm. 
when the guy who's running in the beginning, the when yeah, uh, uh, the guy who's clutching the mask in yeah. his hands. I mean, there's some great ideas there. I just I have, the movie, I just can't get into it. I think this, I think the score by John Carpenter is not very good in it. Oh, see, I think it's awesome. It's like Tron meets uh, Halloween. It's like no. it's really creepy. It's it. Imagine that being like in the next Captain America movie or something like that. No, it's not good. It really isn't. Um, yeah, I just can't get. I mean, the part where the kid dies when he's wearing the mask is really creepy. That that was disturbing. But then they follow that up with more Stonehenge, and that the dude who runs Silver Shamrock is like some witch or warlock. Uh, he's. And, I I thought he was just a psychopath who wanted to pull a big joke. That's I that's know. what I thought. I mean, yeah, I guess you can interpret it that way, but yeah. I mean, they call it the season of the witch because it's he's a witch, but right, and he's just like this is the season for witches and stuff yeah. like that. So he could be a witch. But or the thing like is, that. that movie has a lot of apologists for it. A lot of people think it's one of the best Halloween sequels. It's not, but um, I think it's it's entertaining. It's certainly not unwatchable. It's not no. unwatchable. You know, it's not unwatchable. It, I can see merits in it. It just doesn't go for the jugular, and I think it's. I mean, the ending is really intense when he's running. He's like, turn it off! Turn it off! And I Stop I it! it. Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! I think Tom Atkins is a great actor. And he's really funny in uh, the making of it. If uh, if you get the Scream Factory solo disc, it's the same one. Or you can get the limited edition. Um, he's really funny in the making of it. And he said, they asked him, because he's in a lot of those, like sequels horror movies and right and they ask him like why do you do those he says uh i get paid for it <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on i uh, i don't like uh, actors who think they're too good for stuff that's just, that's true just do it i would imagine if even if you want an oscar you'd still want to do friday the 13th oh dude i 17 this is the argument me and james have about jason statham all the time james is i don't know why jason statham um doesn't do more dramas and stuff i said because he gets paid 12 million dollars to go kick people I would do it too. It makes sense. I I would always sell out. I'd be the biggest sellout ever. <laughs> I don't care what else you watch this week. Back. That's so good to know. Um, the only other thing that I watched this week was, um, gosh, I went through a bunch of stuff. Um, oh, American Horror Story. Freak Show. Not just Freak Show. I went through seasons one and two. Freak Show bothers me. How did I miss the show? How did I miss it? Because the, the first two seasons are not bad. This show is incredible. This Freak show's not good. No, you don't get it. I, show, oh, I get it. No, you don't get it. I this get it. This show has Jessica Lange. She plays a kooky, weird, mean old character each season. And then I in know. the middle of it, they mix wizardry and aliens and all these kind of random Yeah, but shit. she's also... It's the most random, fucked up show. In Freak Show, people say, oh, she's so over the top of great. I think she's annoying in Freak Show. She's 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 a terrible Greta Garbo. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's, but think about it, though. It's just these other seasons, like... In the middle of the second season, it's like, first, it's all about the devil and impregnating himself inside a nun. But then all of a sudden, aliens show up. And then there's Nazi doctors. Like, it's the most random succession of plots and, uh, ever. And the first season, I thought, was actually pretty strong. I thought it had the most coherent plot. Yeah. Um, the second one was not bad. I didn't even finish watching Coven. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Coven was woo I know, I heard. Uh <laughs> And then a freak show, my wife watches it, and I came home during the first episode, and it's just shot so obnoxiously, and I can't I can't get past Dutch angle close-ups, and that's why I'm not a big fan of uh, Tom Hooper, because he does that. And I love the John Adams uh, miniseries, um, but he does the same thing. Like, he 
he does these like Dutch angle, super close up of people, and that's all I see when I watch Freak Show. I, I it's people who want to do horror that aren't really horror directors. But you don't get this either, and this is what I had to explain to my parents too, because they didn't understand why I was into it either. It's a freak show. You don't get it. We got freak shows back. No, I understand it. It's still stupid. <laughs> I don't think you do, and I don't think you have as much joy about it as I think we all should. I don't, because I think it's poorly shot and poorly written. Oh, uh, but it's... Uh, no, you can have as much breast milk as you want. <laughs> you know, my, 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 wife has a, my, my wife has an unlimited supply. Hey, hey, honey, can you come out here and squeeze some more uh, milk for us? God. Uh, Your family life must be incredible. Um, <laughs> my wife gets so mad at me all the time because I'm such a butt knocker. I don't know if she gets mad at maybe annoyed. I don't know what the right word would be. I don't know. I don't get tolerable. Angry. I never got angry. Tolerant. At you. I didn't get angry at you when you came back on the show and you were like denouncing me. Yeah, that's right. I murdered him, and you can find all about it on Real Nerds Podcast <laughs> right. Pod Show Episode Four. It's Episode Two, by the way. No, it's Episode Four. It's two. It's four. Brad's right. I'm I'm, I'm serious. It's Ghost Trappers. Yeah, it's Episode Four. Episode two ZT. I was, I was checking you guys. Anyway, that's all I watched this week. Nice. Uh, and I also watched um, your mom, Ryan. So nice. What was she doing? <laughs> um, you know, just undressing. You know, yuck, dude. <laughs> Enjoy. I don't know. <laughs> Brad, what'd you watch this week? Um, did I talk about Cool World last week? I no, I that's. It, but I didn't actually talk yeah, about it. I think you said you saw other things, but you couldn't remember. Yeah, that's I, a Brad Pitt one, right? I've. You know he's third build in that movie? I've never seen it. I don't know. I know he, like, there's I, like a Marilyn Monroe kind of cartoon in it. No. Um, I want to talk about how terrible the Cool World is. <laughs> okay. It's uh, Kevin Basinger, uh, Gabriel Byrne, mm-hmm. his second build behind her. And That's then, funny. I got End of Days it. today on Blu-ray because it was $2. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, a devil in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's such a weird movie. It starts off with... Brad Pitt comes home from the war, World mm-hmm. War Two, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets picked up by his mom, goes back to like their house in Nevada, like in the middle of nowhere. And uh, like he just got back from the war, but like he goes to their house, he changes clothes. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, mom, I got to show you something outside. And his motorcycle's there. Like, check out what I got. Like, when did you have time to get a motorcycle? <laughs> did like the army like deliver it for you? <laughs> it's part of his GI <laughs> bill. Yeah, so he takes his mom out for a ride. Um, they're you know they're joy riding, and some random couple who's drunk from a casino just drive out in the highway and cut them off, and then they hit like the edge of the car, and mom gets flown like into the desert, breaks her neck, um, and then Brad Pitt. I is... thought he went into a cartoon world. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> almost there, almost there. <laughs> I thought um, you were explaining a totally different movie. No. Different one they, than they sold, for sure. Yeah, so he enters his back, but like right away he just kind of starts having uh, like war flashbacks and uh, starts treating his mom like an injured you know, uh, soldier on the battlefield. Mm. And then um, it cuts away to the uh, ambulance and stuff, and then back to him he's being all uh, taken care of, like, like his spine's broken or something. And then he just disappears into the into the animated world, like a portal opens up what? in front of the two cops, like questioning him, and then he just disappears. And then he 
gets taken away into like this darkness by these animated characters. And this is the Ralph Bakshi production. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. animation. And then like 30 years go by, he hasn't a- hasn't aged a bit, um, but is just accepted being in this world. And then meanwhile, Gabriel Byrne is this uh, convicted felon uh, who used to draw the comic book Cool World. He gets out. Um, he goes into apparently his house has been waiting for him the whole time. Like, I thought, it seemed like, he'd like he's gone for, for 30 years and his house is still just sitting there like, hey, no, Brad, Brad Pitt's been away for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But like after that whole thing, like you get introduced to uh, this guy oh, who's, okay. who's the creator of this, which is weird because like. Okay, I don't. I haven't seen that one. That's Brendan Fraser with a claymation monkey. Yeah, in Tim Burton. Right? Is it Tim Burton? Probably because it's stupid. It's produced. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, like apparently this animated world has been around all this time, and so Gabriel Byrne was drawing it back then, but he's probably as old as Brad Pitt, right? He would be, if, yeah. If not, maybe a little bit older. Uh, they have to be close to the same age. I mean, maybe like five or six years older, right? Yeah. But I'm not sure what he was in jail for, but he mm-hmm. gets out. He's got a perfect house to go to and like a suit ready to go. Like nothing's like he hasn't <laughs> had to rebuild his life at all. Um, and It's he, like a vacation. Yeah. And like while he's in prison, like he's been drawing Kim Basinger's character, like his fantasy girl. And then he finds out just out of nowhere – I think he like falls asleep and he can like enter the world. Hmm. Anyway, Weird. Uh, the main thing is Brad Pitt's job in Cool World is to keep the animated characters from fucking humans. So it's yeah. like it's trying to be like a super adult, which Roger Rabbit. Why does he have that job if he's the only human who visits Cool World? <laughs> like, who is he protecting <laughs> from himself? Yeah, from himself, I guess. Right? <laughs> I guess. But, yeah, Kim Basinger's character, all she wants to do is get out into the real world that he came from and, like, bang all the actual human beings and become, like, a real girl. I don't want anybody else. When I think about Kim Basinger, I touch myself. Yeah. (laughs) That's a Wayne's World joke. (laughs) So, yeah, what a weird premise for, like, an anime movie. Weird. I'm glad I never saw it. They kind of sold us, like, this happy-go-lucky... Like an edgier, loose-framed Roger Rabbit, but... Yeah, what and a then bizarre it, premise. Then after Brad Pitt, because I always remember Brad Pitt being on like the cover art, like in right. a pink suit or something. Yeah, but he's barely like he's he's a tertiary character in the movie. Hmm. Like he's just a police guy who, like I said, just keeps the anime characters from banging humans. Interesting. Yeah, and then there are some like cool ideas where, um, like there's the animated backdrop, but when they have to do like a 3D like perspective view of things, it's basically a sound stage with all the animated stuff on cardboard cutouts so you see just flat dimensions rotating hmm. stuff so they didn't animate a lot of it but the annoying thing is just randomly between scenes they'll have these like really grotesque bizarre characters just doing stupid random stuff it's like transformer movies yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> there's those robots that always are like weird in it. yeah it's just like those non-characters that are mm-hmm. trying to provide some kind of like comic relief but it's not it's just bizarre i guess i'm glad i've never gross. watched that movie i've always been tempted yeah but now i'm not ever gonna watch I it was like this 90s gem but it's really yeah. just a, a mess of bizarreness huh. yeah so um yeah that was from actually last week but this week um actually i forgot to mention last week that i finally saw beverly hills cop 3 that's not good so now i've seen all three of them and you're right it is <laughs> it is strange how 
like the dip in quality. It's because like, they, the they whole... went from R to PG thirteen. Huh? Oh, I didn't even notice it was PG thirteen. Yeah. But I was just blown away. Like pretty much eighty percent of the movie takes place in an amusement park. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, and then the last finale scene is basically people just walking to the room and then shooting each other. Yeah, like even Axel Foley takes a bullet and then like his partner shows up and he gets a bullet from some other villain guy and then that villain guy just gets shot. Mm-hmm. It's just like a pistol like one shot fight as people just enter a room in like what the carnival ride yeah i I mean the thing i remember is the ferris wheel scene from that the most yeah like but it might as well i think it's like a sound stage like they just do you think they use it like the three ninjas yeah (laughs) Yeah, like that's quality value uh quality value and then like there's a part where in an actual amusement park uh axel foley's like jumping up and down on this like yeah ferris wheel right ferris wheel type thing yeah like that's a set piece yeah like him just going up and down like trying to it's like eddie murphy didn't care about it and he was doing it because they had to and then there's some other weird character was it judge reinhold like he gets a promotion or something yeah and he does more and there's no bananas and tailpipes it's yeah i don't it's just it was not like no i agree it, it's, was it like a different production company it, even? I, I don't know, but it loses like the edge of the first two Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Like uh like the first one I think's a great movie. The second one's pretty good, mm-hmm. but then it's just meh. I thought the first two were meh, but like they're Oscar worthy compared to like this one. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, no, his is the no, second this one. Is the second one. It is John Landis. You are right. You are 100% right. Yeah. It was, John, like a big, it was like a big cartoon. Yeah. John Landis used to be good. <laughs> and then he killed that kid and all went downhill after that. Because, um, I mean, what? He did Blues yeah, Brothers. Spielberg won't talk to him. You won't talk to him. I know. He him. did Blues Brothers, Werewolf in London, killed the kid, and then once he made sense. <laughs> That's his curse. He has to live with not making good movies. <laughs> he should. Um, so, yeah. I was just like, wow. People weren't kidding when they said this is terrible. Uh, where's my notes? <laughs> uh, One day people listen to me. Uh, continuing my Jean-Claude Van Damme nice. marathon, um, I got a huge haul from Twist and Shout the other day. Did you? Unfortunately, not on Blu-ray, but except for um, I got Double Team Maximum Risk as a two-disc mm-hmm. Blu-ray, or not Blu-ray, DVD, and then... Are a lot of his movies on Blu-ray, though? Uh, it seems like he's like. I'd say sh- about half of the. I'd say it's like Schwarzenegger, where like his big ones are on Blu-ray, and then they don't put any yeah, other ones. Like out. a lot of straight to DVD stuff yeah. is still just on DVD. Um, and like the latter, like the early career stuff, like Kickboxer, Bloodsport is on a split Blu-ray with Time mm-hmm. Cop. Um, yeah. So anyway, I got Double Team and Maximum Risk that I still have to watch. Um, what was the other one? I like oh, Maximum Risk. Black Eagle, which is like one of his first ones, where I'm he's a Russian villain. Nice. Yeah. I love when he's a bad guy. Yeah, can't wait to watch that. That's on DVD. But the Blu-ray I got was a recent one called Welcome to the Jungle. And that's where Jean-Claude Van Damme plays like a team building, an ex-military team building guy. So Mm -hmm. there's like an insurance company and uh, President Palmer is... Is he? Yeah. Sweet. The the boss, the CEO boss. Dennis Haysbert for the... Dennis (laughs) Haysbert. For people who don't know 24. (laughs) The... uh, there's no setup, but uh, but you just get the sense that through his exposition that mm-hmm. the like he could have a better team. Um, they could get to where he got if they just worked together harder. And uh, Rob Hubel is the alpha male of the office, and uh, this guy Adam Brody is you know the good guy. Yeah, he's he's really pretty good and stuff. But uh, he's in cop out, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, he's the good guy, and he has like all these great ideas on how to pitch. Um, wait a minute. I just realized he works at like it's actually a marketing firm, but Dennis Haysbert's an insurance. Is yeah. he really? Yeah. That's awesome. Wait a second. That doesn't. Maybe he was just referring to it. You like, in a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, and yeah. suddenly he kicks you. <laughs> Who's got your back? All states got your back. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so Adam Brody has this pitch for toilet paper, like logo and stuff with a koala. Rob Hubel steals it because Rob Hubel makes him believe that like that's a dumb idea, and then he just uses it in his own presentation. And then he complains, and then Dennis Haysbert says, like, that's it. I'm sending you all on this retreat on an island. And John claude is the uh, team builder guy. And I think this is, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen John claude do. Because he starts out as being, like, this super tough, knowledgeable guy. And as they do more stuff on the island, you see how, like, he's actually a fraud. Nice. To the point where he gets mauled by a tiger. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> Wait, it's an ongoing joke? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and then he disappears. Um, most of you aren't going to watch this, so I'll just spoil it. He does come back. Like, you think he gets murdered by the tiger and <laughs> falls off a cliff, and then everyone's left to their own devices. So basically, Rob Hubel loses his mind and, like, starts. He finds an herb, feeds it to everybody secretly, and they all, like, go on an LSD trip and start losing their minds they form their own tribe and they separate their like his irrational group from adam brody's like rational he's also a former cub scout mm -hmm. or eagle scout so he knows all like how to survive on the island um but rob Hubel just wants to win everyone and be the leader so they're banished and then basically they have to figure out how to get the radio from the helicopter that he won't let them have because if they get the radio then everyone gets off the island and he's not the leader anymore yeah it's like so, survivor basically yeah um so they like basically spend the rest of the movie devising how they can get the radio so they can contact help um yeah and then john claude just uh he just has funny line like he gets uh when he shows up later like they find him in the woods pass out he's like oh this is all part of my plan like dude i'm pretty sure that's infected <laughs> <laughs> i know what a terrible wound he's so like, this isn't right. like a serious movie at all time. No, it's a total joke. Nice. Um, and then uh, they wheel him because he, he's like, he can't walk most of the time. So they wheel him around in a wheelbarrow, which is like, where do they get the wheelbarrow? <laughs> <laughs> but as they go from set piece to set piece, they're just carting his ass. And like one point, he, uh, he's been living in this bunker the whole time uh, while he's injured. And uh, they're trying to heal him. It's like, God damn it, you stink so bad. I'm pretty sure that's gangrene. It's like, no, no, I'm fine. And like blood starts trickling out of the side of his mouth. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's he's so funny in it. Is it worth like seeing? I yeah, it's I, I don't know if I own it, but I mean, it's probably worth just watching. Nice. It's a fun departure. There's boobs like five minutes Wait. in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Sold me. Jean Claude Van Damme being funny and boobs on there. Yeah. They they get dropped off on the island and like right away, like Rob Hubel goes into the reeds and then Adam Brody's got a binoculars. He's like, Hey, hey, come here. It's like I need those binoculars. Like, why? No, I like why do you need the binoculars? And then he just takes them from him. And he's like, dude, check it out. Janice's like rack and everything. Nice. Yeah. I love it. All movies need boobs in them. Yeah. And then like I'm the excited. other girls like feel them up and stuff. Nice. Yeah. But it's like, why are they changing their shirt? Like just because. Because? <laughs> why, yeah. why wouldn't they, Brad? I think the chick feeling her up is actually Jean-Claude's daughter, Bianca. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. She's get a, get she, job somewhere, right? Yeah. She's like a 
martial artist too, apparently. Yeah, I think you have to be. Yeah, <laughs> following dad's footsteps. So yeah, welcome to the jungle. And then the last thing I saw last night was ABCs of Death Two. Yeah, how was that? Um, I heard it's better than the first one. I I think it's it's a lot of the same. Like VHS mm-hmm. Two was to VHS. Although I think this one wasn't as edgy. Mm. Um, the first the first one A was pretty good. It's a good way to start off. Um, it was uh, I thought it was gonna be called Assassin, but it was just called Amateur. It's about Assassin. The skit starts off with. Uh, you see the assassin, assassin guy preparing, and um, in like the perfect way, like everything happens like in a clean, suave, super spy type way. He takes out the guy he's supposed to take out, and then it stops, and then it cuts to like the reality of oh cool, <laughs> um, like an amateurish hitman. Mm-hmm. So he's like crawling through the duct. Like initially, the air duct in the hotel or whatever is like pristine, and he's got like all the spy gear and stuff mm-hmm. like going down the wall. And then, but in the reality, it's like filled with like cockroaches and like <laughs> dust, and uh, like he slips and he puts his hand through a nail through the like metal and stuff, and he's like screams and like leans over, and then other nails poking out from the, <laughs> from the uh, construction going to his head, and uh, then he just just gets stuck and dies in there. <laughs> and then three <laughs> weeks later. The guy he was supposed to hit, like, calls. He's like, God, my apartment reeks. Like, and then uh, the air conditioning guy, like, pulls the vent off. It's like, like pulling on something. And then that guy comes out of the chute dead. And he falls on the ground. And his gun goes off and kills the guy he was supposed to kill. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But then, yeah, like, a lot of the things are just, like, um, like this guy kills this guy mm-hmm. for a lot of the letters. You know, um, the, the, the first one, I think there's some like highlights in it, but you know, you're still going through 26 of them and yeah. it can be difficult. Yeah. The other one I liked was, uh, was for Russian roulette, which actually was just roulette for our, um, it starts off. There's these three people around this table and they're doing Russian roulette. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as you watch, you kind of learn that, the girl um, is connected to the one guy, and the other guy is just another guy. Um, and then they get down to the last bullet, and it goes to like the guy she's with. And she's like, I love you. And then he just shoots her with it. You're like, oh, shit. Um, that, was, that was cold. But then uh, like the camera pans to the stairwell, and you realize that, there's like monsters outside. So they're basically like he took her out so she wouldn't have to deal with getting mm-hmm. ripped apart by these monsters. So the whole roulette was just like who gets the one bullet so they don't have to deal with God, the monster. Yeah. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was Zygote. And it was actually a pretty cool effect where um, this woman's impregnated and then the husband just takes off and leaves her. But she won't accept the fact that he's been gone for 13 years. So she's just constantly waiting for him. But the girl... Oh, and the guy gave the girl this root that prevents her from giving birth. So, like, the girl grew inside, like, the daughter grew inside her stomach for Mm. 13 years. And so, like, the mom can hear the girl fully formed and talking. Like, hey, mom, is there any chance I can get outside to, like, see the real world? They're like, no, you got to stay with me, like, because she can't let go of anybody. Hmm. Like, she can't let go of the fact that her husband's gone. So, like, he'll come back. He's going to come back. And then finally... uh, she runs out of the root. So, uh, uh, like the girl, the daughter starts to push 
like she gets so big that it snaps her spine, the mother's spine. And then the daughter's like, it's okay. I'll put you back together. And she starts kicking all her bones out through her mouth and like replacing her insides with herself. And then the daughter becomes the mom and the dad returns home after 13 years and like doesn't know anything's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah. Ooh, and Halloween then, episode. And, th- and then they have sex and he just fucked his daughter. Yeah. yeah that's how it ends actually. Uh, yeah. He's like, nice. what happened? See, I could, I could write and direct a ABCs of death. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what happened to the, like our daughter? Like, I don't know. He's like, okay, we'll just make another one. Nice. Gross. Gross. Um, yeah, so those are probably a couple strongest ones. There was another good one. I just can't remember what it was. I think it was around... It was between B and uh, R or something. <laughs> that's, that's long. That is long. Yeah. like 20 letters. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what I watched. Cool. Yeah. Finally. God, you guys. Um, Did I talk about Mortal Kombat Legacy last week? Uh, I saw it last week. Legacy 2 came out on Blu-ray. Um, it, it's not as good as the, well, I mean, the story is as good as the first legacy, but, um, the, this is the blue, online one? uh, yeah, the Blu-ray came with a sticker on it that said for f- the first time on DVD and it was in on Blu-ray. <laughs> and then the only special feature was the trailer. Like, eh, they're really phoning this one in. Um, but it's really cool. It's actually a, a mature take on the Mortal Kombat world. And it's kind of their own. The w- the way the guy wants to do it, he's given like basically free range. Like, hey, here's the characters, do whatever you want. And my favorite part in it is that they actually got the the Shang Tsung from the first Mortal Kombat movie to play Shang Tsung in this. <laughs> and uh, Liu Kang becomes the bad guy. Like he's he fights for Outworld in it, so it's a really cool kind of different take on it. And they have fatalities in it. Like Sub uh, Scorpion rips Sub Zero's spine out. It's pretty badass. Like there's the acting is hit or miss. Um, but so, like the Scorpion and Sub-Zero parts are really good. Um, the Shang Tsung and Liu Kang and Kung Lao moments are really, really good. Katana and Melina is okay. Um, the acting is just not very good. Um, Casper Van Dien, who's last seen in Starship Troopers from 15 years ago, he plays Johnny Cage <laughs> and he's pretty funny in it. I mean, you can tell he's maybe the best actor in, on it. Um, I mean, it's fun. If you like Mortal Kombat, it's kind of cool. It's it's a mature take on it. There's tons of cussing and tons of violence in it. Uh, and, and for being a web series, I mean, it's pretty well produced. Uh, the guy who directed his name, Kevin something, and he was a, a dance choreographer on like the Step Up movies. So he's really good at staging fights. Um, it translates really well to that kind of world, you know? Excellent. Um, so yeah, if you like Mortal Kombat, check it out. Um so I got the Leprechaun collection on Blu-ray. Right. You were uh, talking about that last week. Yeah. Um, so this week I saw Leprechaun 2 and 3, just rewatching. And I'm really actually surprised how much time and effort they put into transferring these because they look amazing. I, I never noticed before, uh, like, Warwick Davis's makeup has glitter in it and has glitter on his hat. And, <laughs> um, and watching Warwick Davis be the Leprechaun is so good. It's he his is passion performance. It is. It's he makes the movies because the movies are, you know, whatever, but he has this line in the second one. Good. Yeah. In the second one, he's taken a bride. Each one, it it doesn't have any ties to the previous one. So each one's its own like story. And the second one, he's looking for a wife and he has a part where his wife is this girl. He's going to make his wife is like in his cave. And he says, you'll try to escape, but it's hopeless. It's hopeless. Ah, ha, ha, and he like runs off and he's just, <laughs> it's so great. Um, 
which brings me to Leprechaun Origins, which I saw. And what they did is they decided they're going to make a Leprechaun movie, which they're rebooting the franchise. That's fine. Right. But they decided to make a Leprechaun movie serious. And the Leprechaun in it is a monster. And he's not like Warwick Davis. I, I don't mind. It's oh, not Warwick Davis. God. But it's literally a monster. It's a monster movie that they don't show the monster very much in it. And the director makes really weird choices. Um, like, he'll have the characters in focus, like, really close in the foreground. And in the background, the leprechaun will be in the background, but it's always out of focus. So you never really see the monster. And it's it's literally this monster that eats people. That doesn't sound awesome at all. No, it's stupid. And I said, you, you, I don't mind you going a new direction, but you're taking what people like about this franchise, which is, you know, the leprechaun rapping with iced tea. You know what I mean? It's it's really. It's not that hard. It's yeah. not that hard to make it. It's not that hard to make that franchise work. Exactly. And but the thing is, is you're not going to make it work if you don't have Warwick Davis. I, I'm I'm going to be clear honest. There's, I don't think there's anybody who can bring the same passion to a role. Which you're like, oh, you know, who cares? But he brought his A game, and he, it was interesting because the the collection has these great interviews with him after every Leprechaun movie. Like each. The guys who produced the making of each Leprechaun movie are the guys who produced the making ofs for Scream Factory. So each one has interviews with the directors, the writers, Warwick Davis. And he said he took the first one because no one was offering him jobs after Willow because he says they don't give little people jobs. And so I took this job and he said it's given me a second career and people still come up to me and remember me from the Leprechaun, not Star Wars or Willow or the Harry Potter movies now and it's a fine <laughs> legacy to have. Yeah, and he and you know what's cool about him is he says, "Yeah, I know what they are, but he likes to bring the comedy and just try to make them scary." And I he does he, he knows what they are and he does it well. Um so I was really disappointed in Leprechaun Origins. It might be my second least favorite movie of the year. Um I don't know what well, I do know my least favorite movie of the year is. Um <laughs> I also I was at Walmart getting a bunch of candy um with my wife that we are sitting in that you guys are eating that's fine um and when we were i was looking through the blu-rays i looked over to the left at the dvds and i saw delivery the beast within which is premiered at uh telluride i forgot to order it on amazon i was like fuck it i'll buy it from walmart and the movie's still really good um it's really unusual though i didn't think it had special features because they're not listed on the back but there's a making of it and there's like three commentary tracks uh, I haven't listened to the commentary tracks, but it's uh, it's cool. It's a it's a it's a a different movie. If you've if you want to see a different horror movie, you should check it out. Uh, you liked it, didn't you, Brad? Yeah, I think it was a it was a nice take on like it was a different take on that idea, I guess. Yeah, because you know it actually made sense why there was found footage because um, it's yeah. a reality show, and right. so it made more sense. Um, and it's better it, than just some, some dude like filming his wife going through the process. Exactly, because yeah. then it wouldn't make any sense. Like, dude, quit filming her. Yeah, um, yeah, like that. Uh, I guess trope of always, hey, something bad's happening. Put the freaking camera down, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, they can't because it's a show. Yeah, yeah. and so it, I thought it was good, and it, it holds up really well. Watching it on um, DVD, the sounds better, obviously, because we saw on Telluride, which is a great place to see a movie, but that opera hall sometimes doesn't have the best uh, yeah. sound quality. Um, but three commentary tracks, and none of them for the real nerds. I know. I kept on trying to get it out there. Um, and continuing my Tom Cruise marathon. What did you see in the um, Cruise Tentacles? Th- this week, I, I saw a movie that I haven't seen since I was young. 
and I didn't appreciate it as much as I enjoyed it now. And it's a few good men. Um, nice. is a great movie. Um, it's written by Aaron Sorkin, so James should get an erection. You would love a few good men, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. Just every night, if I could have a few good men before I go to bed. Um, <laughs> and it, Tom Cruise plays a hotshot JAG uh, Navy lawyer. What else? And yeah, of course. And he doesn't take like his job too seriously. He's always pretty funny. What uh, if that's his character from Top Gun? Who became? Ooh, like, if he was Maverick, that'd be sweet. It's like one of those movie ties that all the internet do. That'd be sweet. I, yeah. Um, but in it, he plays... I like where you're going with that. Uh, I, forget. I can't remember, remember his character's name. Um, but in it, he plays a guy who, who's a naval lawyer. He never steps foot in a courtroom because he settles all his deals on a baseball field when he plays softball. Um, Demi Moore plays a commander in there. And what they find is uh, one of the kids is wants to be transferred off the base... And to get off the base, he said, I'll tell you in Cuba, I'll tell you someone who fired across the lines. And, you know, that's a no-no because they're not in a time of war. Right. And when the unit in the Marine Corps got word of this, they did what they called a code red where they punish him. But the kid died um, when they were doing it to him. And so Tom Cruise is sent there and he's trying to figure out if these kids followed an order or they murdered him. And Jack Nicholson plays... Um, Major Nathan Fudge. I can't remember his name. But anyways, uh, I remember his first name. I remember his last name. Um, so they have this huge courtroom thing, and he's going to subpoena him. And it's just it's directed by and written by Rob. Uh, it's directed by Rob Reiner by Aaron Sorkin. So it has really great tension, and that's what the judge reminded me of. You don't have very many of the '90s um like courtroom movies anymore yeah Yeah. and you know that scene where too i mean it's famous for i want the truth you can't handle the that whole scene is so awesome because tom cruise um it's a court martial i guess if you accuse a superior officer of wrongdoing and he is found innocent of it then you get court martialed and dishonorably discharged and there's this moment just before he does that huge impassioned speech and he uh, he he gathers himself, and he's all nervous. He's taking a drink of water. He looks at Demi Moore. He looks at Kevin Bacon. He looks at uh, Kevin Pollock, and he takes a breath, and he just fucking lays into him. It's like two seeing two great actors go at it. Um, and Kiefer Sutherland is really good in it as um, the guy who followed the orders. Um, and it's, it brings up a really interesting point. You know, are these kids doing this stuff because they want to or are they doing it because they're robotic and they're trained to follow orders and it's a really interesting question and the movie's like two and a half hours long but it goes by so fast because all the performance is really good um a few good men is a great movie i appreciate it way more now than i did when i was younger um and then i found out i was actually just going to watch a few good men but when i told my wife about tom cruise's early 80s sex comedies she told me she never saw risky business and I said, we're watching Risky Business right now. And uh, in it, Tom Cruise plays a kid in high school who's trying to get into Princeton. And he has he doesn't get very good ACT and SAT scores. And he's in Young Entrepreneurs. And he's trying to earn money. And his parents go out of town like Ferris Bueller. Or like it's not Ferris Bueller, like all 80s movies. And while he's gone, he turns his um, his house into a brothel. And he makes all this money. And <laughs> it's like just a dorky movie it's pretty funny though um he has sex with uh, rebecca de mornay on a, a subway 
Um, he also has like this really uh, cinematic like sex scene with her when she first shows up at his house. Like the wind is blowing, the doors open, and the curtains are like going in slow motion, and she's like riding him on a desk chair. And um, yeah, it's if you like '80s movies with cool soundtracks and um, smart ass like smart kids, then you'll like Risky Business if you've never seen it. Because when his dad goes out of town, he says, hey, don't drive my Porsche. And of course, as soon as he leaves, he grabs his Porsche and <laughs> the Porsche falls into the ri- the lake and they have to get it out. And so he needs money for it. So that's why he opens the brothel because the only way he can make, like, I don't know, like eight grand to fix the car is by opening up a brothel with Rebecca De Mornay. And um, I mean, you know, the normal things in life. Yeah, I like it. And it, I mean, it's famous for the old time of rock and roll, like dance scene, which... I think it's only like a minute long, but I guess they, they're saying that's when he became like a, a star. It was like a star turning moment for him. Right. Just dancing in your underwear? Dancing in your underwear with sunglasses and a dress shirt. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So what you're saying is Ruiner's Pod Show Season 2 for us to finally it's take happening. off is for you to do that scene. It's happening. Ah, and that's what I watched this week. Yay. More Tom Cruise fun to be had this coming week. There's never enough Cruise in this never. Cruise. Never. Um, this is real news. It's real news. Um, not too much going on this week except for the Marvel movies. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Captain the, America: Civil War. Uh, yeah, the Phase Three. Um, it because Phase Two ends with. <laughs> no. Uh, phase <laughs> Two ends with Age of Ultron. Um, so. Captain America 3 comes out May 16th, 26 uh, May 6th, 2016. Doctor Strange comes out November 4th, 2016. Guardians 2 got moved up to May 5th, 2017. Thor 3 is July 28th, 2017. Black Panther, which I'm actually excited for, is November 3rd of 2017. Captain Marvel, another one, the Carol Danners version of it, who is uh, pretty sweet, is July 6th, 2018. Avengers Infinity War is going to be in two parts. Um, mm-hmm. in May uh, 2018 and May 2019. Um, so Thanos will, I'm guessing, will be uh, coming down in Guardians. Right. And then the story will carry over for the two Avengers movies. Yep. Because I'm guessing the Avengers and Guardians will probably team up. <laughs> and the Inhumans, which is a really unusual one to choose, is coming out November 2nd, 2018. Um, nice. So that's going to still be all part of Phase 3. And I was looking at this and... With the DC movies, there's going to be like six comic book movies a year now. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange new world we live in. We saw a movie this week where it touched base on those. Yep, exactly. Um, this is uh, Rob Zombie has a, mo- a movie called 31 that got crowdfunded mm-hmm. about killer clowns, people that get killed by clowns or something. Um, <laughs> I guess. Uh, if he wants and to make you it, donate cool. to it now. Uh, it's made it. It's money. So if, I think you can donate. I don't know what you get. Um, it's weird. Someone like that successful has to crowdfund, but I guess he has comes with a stigma. Would be my guess, right? Of you know, hardcore well, horror. Was Lords of Salem in a big theater? No. No. Well, Lords of Salem is horrible. That's why. No. <laughs> you don't you like that movie? <laughs> I do like that movie. Why? I don't know. I just enjoy. I it. have to put up with Sherry Moon Zombie for two hours. Mm-hmm. And it's, punishment enough okay fair enough um and really the only other news i saw that was kind of cool is clerks 3 will be partially filmed in black and white uh and it'll feature obviously the return of jay and silent bob yep and kevin smith shaved his beard this week and i did you listen if you listen to hollywood babylon is an interesting story Why is that news for people like 
dude, 20 years of beard. Um, it's well, like someone shaving their head for like a role. Like it's not like he's going to be not wearing the beard. Like in as soon as he's done with the makeup, it's coming back. It's like, a slow it's news not... week, Brad. I'm just saying he's <laughs> shaved his beard. I, I just like in my Facebook feed and like on Yahoo. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that was big news. Did you hear the story behind it, though? Uh, for yoga hosers, uh, Jay Muse was going to play all these monsters oh, yeah. in it. Mm. And he couldn't deal with. The claustrophobia, yeah, of it. The, the prosthetics, and so Kevin Smith played it, um, which I, I'm really interested to see what Yoga Hosers is about now, yeah. because he described it as Clerks in Canada, but he has a bunch of monsters in it, and he's doing the Great White North trilogy that finishes with Moose Jaws, which just makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah, right. Moose Jaws is pretty simple. Yeah, like it's a pretty it's simple killer moose. moose. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be fascinating. He's definitely, you know, I didn't talk about Tusk when I was on the show. Um, what did you think of the walrus? I thought it's maybe the most unusual movie I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's a good movie. I really do. I. I it's his best looking movie. Um, I think it's his most daring movie. I think it's more daring than Red State, um, because it. When you hear the episode of um, Smodcast, and he, it's basically that, and to have Michael Parks and Justin Long in big walrus suits fighting is maybe the most ridiculous yet rewarding thing I've ever seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was my favorite thing is when Michael Parks pops up from the bottom of the frame in a walrus costume. Yeah. And says like, you must fight me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, and it, it's for Kevin Smith. It's a really risk too in filmmaking wise, because he told it like Tarantino. He didn't um, tell from a to B. He kind of jumped all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Johnny Depp shows up in it, and Johnny Depp's going to be in Yoga Hosers. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting film. And, too, you you know, Justin Long, he's an asshole. So you really don't care yeah. that he turns into a walrus. You don't, good. Yeah, good. But to someone have the balls of actually putting someone in a walrus suit, actually having him fight Michael Parks, and that movie actually being released... I'm surprised it made $3 million, or $2 million, or whatever it made, mm. because that movie is so fucking weird. That one point seven million dollars, yeah. uh, maybe worldwide, um, <laughs> and we didn't get the VOD on demand yet. Yep. But you know, it's I yeah. So I'm interested to see what he's doing. He's taken an interesting turn in a filmmaking career uh, for someone who's swore off movies three years ago to come back and make a movie about a dude in a walrus suit. And Michael Parks is really good in it. Michael his, Parks is a genius. His his monologue when he asks him about what happened to him. And he's just sitting by the fire is amazing. Age fifteen, I yeah. escaped. Yeah, it's oh, it's before that. That's before then. When but, they're at the when they're at the fire. You know, I when I we were in the theater with my wife, there's like four or five other people in there. And when he got up and walked, people gasped. Yep. I mean, I knew he was going to, but I, maybe it's just I've seen so many movies, I don't know. But people made an audible. <gasps> it was shocking. There's an insert shot where he crosses his legs at one point. That kind of foreshadows that, that like he's hmm. gonna stand up. So kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's it for the news. Sweet. Um, I didn't see anything else. I think the Marvel thing was really it. Um, oh, and that's Furious 7 is its new name, not Fast and Furious 7. Uh, the trailer looked pretty awesome. It's like cars parachuting out of Kurt a... Kurt Russell in there. Yeah, Kurt Russell, Jason Statham, cars parachuting out of an airplane. Hey, what are, right on. Yeah. Um, and it already had... Do you, do you guys see the trailer? It has this stunt where um, Paul Walker is running across this bus and it goes off the edge of a cliff and they take the car and they fishtail it over the edge of the cliff and Paul Walker like grabs it 
<laughs> it's like so ridiculous. It's awesome. That's how his character's gonna die in the uh... in, in the real movie. <laughs> no, didn't he just hit a a light pole? Oh, yeah. Oh, too soon. Dude, I can't believe he was forty. He still looked like he was twenty. I know he looked like he not He's, even that like twenty five. No, good looking guy. Yep. Um, this is the stuff that's coming out on Blu-ray this week. DVD releases the Blu-rays. Fuck no. Look at it. I typed it all out. All right, go Why'd ahead. You do that because I'll forget. <laughs> There's a site with pictures that you can just reference. I don't know why you typed it out. Because then I have all my notes here. All right. Then go ahead, Brad. All right. The big thing, obviously, is uh, the Hobbit: Desolation of Smog. Uh, I'm has, getting that. Has four. It's the extended edition with yeah. four editions: the 3D. <laughs> I got the one that's twenty dollars. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I really don't care about the snow globe. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know what the snow. There's two Amazon exclusives that are like in this giant box. I don't know what the difference is. Oh, one's. One has the uh, oh 3D. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Maleficent is on Blu-ray. Didn't that already come out? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. And there's only one edition of that, considering how popular it was. Um, Planes, Fire, and Rescue, Hercules 3D, and the extended cut, which I don't know if there's more of that movie I want to see. If it's rated R, I'll see it. Um, I don't know. It's a movie like I I think I enjoyed, but I might wait till Black Friday when it's like eight bucks or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, the Sopranos complete series Blu-ray comes out. Uh, Sherlock has a limited edition gift set with two. It's like bus. Busts. They don't yeah. look that good though. But I heard they All look. Right. I heard like, someone unpacked and they said it's pretty cool. Um, then there's a bunch of steel books coming out for like classics like Psycho, um, Shaun of the Dead, American Werewolf in London, Scarface with like different art, Big Lebowski. Uh, so I don't know when it, when I get a steel book, I kind of want the original poster art on it. Yeah. Um a most a most wanted man's on Blu ray. The Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer fiftieth anniversary Blu ray is coming years, out. That's crazy. Fuck yes. The that is the ultimate Christmas special. Right? It is. Um some HBO show about news is has a Blu ray. I don't know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Aaron Thanks, Sorkin. <laughs> I, was try- I was trying to piss off James. Yeah, right. Not mentioning it. Yeah, season whatever. One too many. <laughs> um, let's see. The Doctor Who Matt Smith Years collection is coming out. Um, that should be fun for uh, Doctor Who fans, I guess. Uh, Still don't get that show. If you haven't jumped on the Game of Thrones bandwagon, there's a complete first and second season two-pack of Blu-ray for that. Um, what else? There's something really good I'm trying to get down to come on uh, impractical joker season two is are you getting to too. napoleon dynamite cartoon series that's coming out yeah that's that's one of them yeah <laughs> uh so if you missed what i think six episodes, six episodes like clerks <laughs> yeah um yeah i never I, I wanted to see it but i just never got to it you know i forgot funny. as you know there was big casting news benedict cumberbatch was cast as doctor strange. strange yeah i know right uh reno 911 reno 911 <laughs> Whoops! Uh, as a complete That's series, DVD Dangles would say, "Nice or Blu-ray? I can't tell. I think it's DVD." Um, Touch season two. I didn't know there was a Touch season two. <laughs> yeah, Keep it Sutherland. It's but, it's pretty high up on the list of people wanting to get it since it's like buried. Yeah, it's buried down there with the Nash Bridges complete series. <laughs> uh, when you have 
when you're canceled and you only have two seasons, you should just only release one set. <laughs> yeah, right. So there should just be a touch complete series. Yeah. I forgot to tell you too, Brad, if you want to get all of Jean-Claude Van Damme, you have to watch two episodes of Friends. What? Yeah, he's in Friends where Rachel, I think it's the one after the Super Bowl. It's season one. and Or is it season one or two? And Rachel and Monica are fighting over him because he's so hot. He plays he plays a guy that's in out it's season one he plays uh the lead actor in outbreak two it, uh, it's like outbreak takes Manhattan or something uh, that guy's awesome but I'm not gonna <laughs> buy friends I'll just borrow yours you can borrow mine and or if you want to you know just those two discs yeah if you oh, it's only on one if you want to stay here for like forty minutes one Wait, day you said it's two it. episodes yeah so it's like a two parter yeah it's like forty seven minutes okay um. There's one more thing. Where is it? Because there's a great joke about him having a threesome with Monica and Rachel. <laughs> uh, if you're a Genesis fan, there's a three-sided live Blu-ray. Nice. Which is probably a live concert. Come on, where was it? I can't remember what it was. This is why we don't let Brad do these segments. Only because I'm more thorough. Oh, the <laughs> Dick Van Dyke Show complete series without all the special features on Blu-rays coming out. Meh. Yeah, you, you def- trust me, you want the special oh, features. Oh, the special features are amazing yeah. on that. So, But if you don't save some money... It's still worth getting, I guess. Um, I guess it's for old people, probably. Yeah. See, I like going all the way down to the bottom, because sometimes they don't categorize everything exactly, and they put new stuff. But this week, uh, that's not the case. So, yeah. James usually just covers the first two or three lines. So. Nope. Nope. I got it all. I am there for you, listeners. When the rain starts Don't have taste in line with our own. Did you see Brad Pitt on <laughs> Between Two Ferns? So when you first met Angelina, was it like that classic love story? Like when Ross met Rachel? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's awesome is Brad Pitt was really cool about it because he played that song, I'll Be There For You. And he says, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, there's, there's like three other seasons of Law and Order that are finally coming out. Dun, dun. Yeah. How many seasons was that on TV? 87? I think an even 20. There's a High School of the Dead complete collection. <laughs> what? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Probably shit. Mm. That's it. Cool. That's it. Uh, Zach, what comic book do you have for us this week? What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Uh, the comic book that I have for you guys today is Simpsons Infinite Crossover number one. Um, it's a wonderful series with Futurama and Simpsons crossing over. Um, it's uh, done with Bill Morrison as the chief editor, um, so they have several different writers on staff. Um, but it essentially involves the Futurama characters getting stuck in Simpsons land. Oh, cool. And it's absolutely fantastic. It's just funny. Uh, it's got the writing of the show a little bit. It's what you might expect to see later on in this season with the Simpsons because they are going to have a Futurama crossover episode. Um, in addition to the terrible Family Guy crossover that they did. Uh, that was funny. I, I, I thought it was funny. I just didn't like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I liked Duff like 13 years ago when it still tasted good, but now it's just stale and old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great joke. Um, but anyway, um, so <laughs> check that out. Um, you can check, You could probably get uh, a bunch of Simpsons comics at Colorado Coins Cards. And Those comics. are popular comics, though. I, I talked to – when I get Andrew on the show, I – Every time I'm in there, I always ask him questions. I said, how do you order these things? How do you know? He said, eh, you just really just take it. I mean, he says he knows, like, the Batmans and the Spider-Mans and stuff like that. Um, but, like, the new Thor that came out with the Lady Thor, 
is he only ordered like 15 copies of it and he sold out of it in like an hour. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Because like 10 of them went to hold slots, so he had five that he put out on the floor, gone in less than an hour. Wow. Yeah. He's smart about what to buy and how much to buy of. He is. He's a good guy. Right on. He has the hookups. So he does. Go on to Colorado Court. Go on to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. I know. He's so cool. Like, the other day I came into my hold slot, and I, I really liked the Afterlife with Archie, and they did a spinoff called Sabrina. It's a Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but it's like a horror comic, and he just threw it in there for me. Nice. The variant cover. He's like, I, I thought you'd like it. I was like, sweet. <laughs> Don't have to call and ask him anymore. He just does it for me. Yeah. He's, he's, he just has that. Even, like, instinct. the new the new Batman. Oh, the new Batman's really good. I guess we got to talk about that. Called Endgame Part 1. Mm. It's badass. There's, like, uh... So, Andrew always, I tell him to, if the Batman story's cool, to put the Batmans in my hold slot. And he actually gave me the the Red Hood variant cover. It's pretty sweet. Um, so, in the in the comic, Batman is fighting the Justice League. Um, they just start attacking him. Like, he's starting in, uh, I haven't read any Batman comics for, like, since Death of the Family. And I guess Batman's new Batcave is, like, an apartment in Gotham now. Like, some ritzy... Expensive. Like his apartment in the seventies, <laughs> probably. And uh, he's just looking out the window, and him and Alfred are joking. And then Wonder Woman like grabs him, is like, "I'm going to kill you, Bruce!" And she like throws him, and so he gets this suit that the suit has ways to defeat each member of the Justice League because they all start attacking him. And uh, I'm going to spoil this because it's awesome. And then Superman picks him up and throws him through like the Gotham's like opera house, and he's he's like, "Clark, what are you doing?" And he says. That's because I want to do it. And he changes, like, his face changes to the Joker. So the Joker's, like, poisoning all the Justice League to attack Batman. It's fucking awesome. I can't wait for the next issue. Nice. And it's called uh, Endgame. So is he going to fucking kill the Joker in it? Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. I haven't, I don't think I've picked up my hold slot in two months. I hope it's still there. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Yeah. But that sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's freaking badass. And, like, the, it, because it happens. This issue doesn't waste. Like I think the first three pages are just him like joking with Alfred and people, and then it's just like boom, and it's pretty awesome. Is it Scott Snyder writing still. Yeah, and uh, so he fights, and then he fights Wonder Woman. He's he beats her. The Flash, um, all in the same book. Yeah, the Green wow. Lantern, and then Superman shows up. You think that'd be something like they would do? Yeah. one just like each, each issue. Each, yeah, yeah. Each issue. Um, but it's fucking sweet, and huh. like you know, he has a. It's basically like the Hulkbuster Iron Man armor. And, uh, yeah, so the last part is, like, Superman has, like, the Joker face, and it looks fucking awesome. Neat. Yeah. I forgot all Simpsons about that badass. issue. But, yeah, Simpsons. I don't get too many Simpsons comics on here. Yeah, you should. I am. <laughs> if they're funny. I don't know. The show yeah. hasn't been funny in 13 years. Whoa. I, I, I still think it's funny. Yeah, it, 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 it has hits or miss. I still watch yeah. it. it still I, I, I still funny. DVR it. There's at least one funny episode a season. Yeah, I'd say so. There's yeah. a few. I mean, it still has the heart. I mean, The Simpsons, you can never replace how great the characters are. Um, right. It's just sometimes when they try to be Family Guy, I think they lose it. Because yeah. they're they're not as... They can't do that humor. They tried cutaway gags, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, so. To this day, my favorite Simpsons is Cape Fear, where Sideshow Bob comes back. I think the Keeps second... hitting the race. Yeah. The second time. And it's just so zany. And, uh, they, you know, they get into witness relo- uh, protection program, and homer's wearing the shirts and stuff it's just like little jokes like that is now, what i miss. I stomp on your foot you'll say hello i'm mr thompson <laughs> oh shoot. that's all right i've been stepping on him all week he keeps on getting underneath <laughs> me while i'm carrying my baby and he's like Burp. 
To me, my first, my still my favorite Simpsons moment of all time is in the Rex Banner episode, mm -hmm. where it's like, "What's wrong? What's the matter, Chief? Yeah, you barely touched your banana kaboom. <laughs> this is no happy birthday for Rex Banner." <laughs> well, I mean, that's you know, you miss jokes like in Cape Fear. It's he says, "I'm sorry, ma'am. There's no law against mailing threatening letters. I'm pretty sure there is." Well, shut my mouth. It's also legal to put squirrels down your pants for, for the, the purpose of gambling. Break it up. It's so stupid, but it's awesome. I miss Simpsons like that. Oh, uh, anyways, this week we went and saw Birdman. Or The Virtue of Ignorance. Which is a better title. Um, should people go see Birdman? I think you should absolutely go see Birdman. It's a cinematic event. Um, I think this is Michael Keaton's best performance in years. Um, and to really like to watch it, like the cinematography is so dazzling. So that's an attraction to it and a draw to it. But the story and the script is so, I mean, it's so familiar, but it's done in a way that's so unique and refreshing. Um, and it's a return to absurdism and, uh, really the, like the kind of Mel Brooks satire kind of quality of film done on a high art scale. So I would totally check it out. Brad, you people go see Birdman. I already know your answer, but you should tell everybody else. See, this is why you can never be the actual host of Real Nerds. Is like we just give a short description of the movie, whether we like it or not, and then <laughs> yeah, we're we well, taking the place of James this week. <laughs> okay, yeah, good call. <laughs> no, you're, you're just mimicking James. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. gotcha. Okay, I, I take that back. Then <laughs> you did fine. Um, I think it's one of the best movies I've seen all year. It's uh, an achievement. Like, obviously, as a filmmaker, I go in watching the movie also on a level of like how to, as I'm watching it, how do they make it? And just trying to process how they made that movie um, is baffling. You should definitely see it. I'm torn on this movie. Um, I read the art, you know, I read an article. It's like 10 pages in entertainment weekly about it. it. Got me really excited about it because it talked about how there's no real cuts in the movie. I think there's four. Um, and the, and how hard it was as Zach Galifianakis talked about, you didn't want to be the actor who fucked up the cut. Um, the performances are great. The movie is shot very well. Um, here's a trailer for Birdman.
so I'm really torn on this movie because one, I think, I think it's super smart. And at the other time, I think it's sometimes super on the nose. And that's my, my, some of my biggest problems with, um, independent movies is they try to be so hard on the nose and, and, and they end up like shooting it off and it's kind of literally, (laughs) I want to do that joke so bad. Um, wow. Uh, here's the thing. It's, it's pretty impressive. Like the movie itself is impressive. Um, that it, it doesn't cut really. I mean, I think you said four. Yeah. I I could probably point to like 10 or. Yeah. I mean, you can tell like when they're going through doors or something, but I mean like. But it's not like, that's not the gimmick of the movie. No, it's It's not. It's just a style choice. It's a style choice. And it's really. Because there's parts where like, it's not intended to be a cut, but it's like this. It's just like a time lapse. It's like a, yeah, a time lapse. So. Um, I mean, there's a part where Edward Norton and Emma Stone are fooling around and it goes over the top of the catwalk. And then you're looking down on the play, and then you know it's further along. Hours later, yeah. Yeah. I, though, yeah. I mean, Michael Keaton is great in the movie. He really is. Um, a tour de force, I think, as they would say. Uh, yeah. Career, a career comeback kind of uh, performance, if you will, but like for a very, very art house crowd. I don't really feel like he was ever away. Like he was just no, in RoboCop yeah, as the he's, lead villain. I see, he's one of those guys who's always he, he, he because he made so much money. I think he's really selective on what he does. I mean, I think he did RoboCop because, like, oh, I can be a villain and be kind of zany. Um, and in this movie, I mean, he he's on the camera most of the time. Um, and I, here's my my issue with the movie is it goes well and I'm being entertained. But towards the end where there's it, – it's basic – when I see it, it's basically New York and Los Angeles saying, oh, we don't like superhero movies. And so this is kind of what we say about superhero movies because everybody wants to do superhero movies and blah, 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 blah. And he has that moment at the end where he's realizes like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to do superhero movies. And uh, uh, and, and I knew he was going to shoot himself for real. I got that from the trailer immediately. Um, and th- that's why I think actually The Virtue of Ignorance, I think is a better title for the movie. Um, but saying that, I don't know, I'm really, t- I really want to see it again. Um, because there's, th- my favorite moment in the movie I, is he's, he goes to that bar with Edward Norton and he, Edward Norton says, oh, hey, there's that, you know, Critic. Critic. And then later in the movie, he goes over and he talks to her. And he's right. He's, you know, he's saying, and that's why it made me really, like, self-reflect in this. I'm like, really, am I going to diss this movie because I, it doesn't really click with me when these people worked so hard on it? And I'm going to sit there and, um, and what does he say to her? It's so great. He's like, uh, it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. And it's costing me everything. Yeah. And he says, you're not, he said, what was the word he used? He was talking about how she was describing the play. And he said, "You're not, uh, you're not reviewing the play. You're, you're reviewing, you're reviewing his career, which is like yeah, Kevin exactly. Smith deals with it's exactly. Like people write articles, and I agree. You yeah. know, that's that, when he said that, like that moment in the movie is where I really got behind this movie. I said, yeah, because you have people that are critics that are judging, and someone like Michael Keaton, you know, oh, he was Batman, and he was this, blah 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 blah. And he can't be anything else. He can't be anything else. And he just, he's so great in that, and he's." I, I, the way he says, and you fucking, and I don't know any breaks that it's, I can't, I can't do it justice talking about it, but it's, yeah. it's a really amazing moment in that movie. Yeah. Um, I thought you were talking about the, the part where he's with actually Edward Norton. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a bad, he's talking about a bad part. his inspiration. Like, mm-hmm. why do you, why are you even doing this play? It's like, Oh yeah, I did uh, it in high school and the actual writer was there and he watched me perform and he gave me this cocktail napkin. Yeah. And said, like, good job. And then Edward Norton's like, Oh, you, you idiot. Like it's on a cocktail napkin. He like, he didn't see your play. He was just drunk. You so. know, what's, see, that's why I'm so torn. In. I, 
I really liked it. I don't like sometimes the the headiness of it. I don't like the on the this is what it is. You know when he's I didn't get that, but okay. But uh, yeah, I mean that's why I mean like I think I have to watch it again. I it's a it's a well made it's a really well yeah. made movie. And the great scene is when like they lose like the co actor and they bring Edward Norton in. <laughs> yeah, that's... And like right away, like <laughs> as soon as he shows up, he starts making the play better. Like, yeah. And you know what's you know I really liked Edward Norton's character in that because you know people take away that he's an asshole in it, mm-hmm. but he's actually bringing out a better performance out of Michael Keaton's character, mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton's uh, Regan doesn't recognize it right away, you know, because yeah. um, he stops that preview, and you know Michael Keaton doesn't understand that him you know social media being aware of it is a big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, see I'm so torn on this movie. I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I loved it. <laughs> It lends credence to the whole subtitle "The Virtue of Ignorance." I love. No, yeah. I love that his character is so blissfully unaware of um, all the things that it would take to be successful in this day and age, mm-hmm. um, and to watch his that sequence when he's going through the whole entire neighborhood and he's got <laughs> special great. effects going like that, and he's like blowing cars up with his mind and shit, and you see the big bird going and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I thought that was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, I thought you talked about when he's running. My favorite part is when he's running through with his underwear. <laughs> it's just so weird. That was awesome too. And I, my, also my favorite moment. One of my favorite moments in the film is the final shot, uh, or the final moment in the film when he uh, uh, pops up out the hospital window, mm-hmm. and uh, his daughter just looks down and then looks up. Like I thought that was just a perfect moment to end. Obviously, it was a perfect moment to end the movie, but I just thought it lended a lot of credence to my mind as to whether or not this was all in his mind or if he was, you know, actually filled with superpowers. And I love how it kind of blurs yeah. the reality to be like it doesn't matter which one is wrecked. You're right. I mean, but there's parts, too, where it lost him where he got up and flew around and stuff. I was like, that stuff always irks me because... I will say, like, I think the week at, like, the third act of the movie where he starts to just get lost mm-hmm. in his own fantasy, like... I kind of started tuning out. Yeah, bit. because I love like, I love the moments when him and Edward Norton were fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when he pulls him out of his tanning bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it, you're right. It's an absurdist and it's so goofy. But those two actors make it that it's not. And um, and how fragile Michael Keaton's character's ego is because you know Zach Galifianakis is lying to him. He says, "Dude, you know the people from this are here. Martin Scorsese is uh, talent scouts coming, and it's a full house and." You know, to calm him down. Um, I don't know. You know, it, but you get right into when the actor who's horrible. There, there is a great moment when they sit down and they're doing the reading at the very beginning, and the actor is so horrible. Hmm. And Michael Keaton again. I, I talked about earlier with Robert Downey Jr. When Michael Keaton is sitting there and the dude's reading his lines, and you can just see how painful it is for him. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And when he's uh, that thing falls and hits him, I laughed. And then, you know, the Birdman says, "I did that." <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just the so, like when it's so bizarre doing this monologue at the front of the stage, and all of a sudden, like you hear Norton talking in the background, like, "What the fuck is all that noise yeah. back there?" And then he smashes the glass, and you're like, "Oh, he did replace his like yeah, because whiskey with water." At, at first, I thought it was part of like the play that you know they're still having a conversation behind him, so. You know that Michael Keaton's monologue was for the audience's benefit while everyone else is going there. Then you realize that yeah, Edward Norton was pissed. Character, yeah. Yeah. Um, But he has. I mean, Edward Norton has great moments with Emma Stone on top of that ledge. You know Mm -hmm. the truth or dare stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm really torn on this movie. I wanted to like it more than I did, but I didn't. I think. I think. Fuck. (laughs) She did. Um, I I really lost it towards the third act. Mm -hmm. 
I would much rather see him just be successful. And, and like I said, the the watching the trailer and stuff, I knew he was really going to shoot himself. Um, because and then he talked about. Uh, I mean, there's even those red herrings where Edward Norton says, "Hey, get a new fucking gun. I'm not scared because I can see the red dot in it." You know, um, any I don't know. It just I don't know. Made you think? Yeah, it's a it's a hard movie to it's a, it's a polarizing film. It's very it polarizing. Is. Here's the thing: is though it, technically, it's maybe the most techni- technically sound film I've watched. Because you're taking a minuscule budget. I'm, I don't think it was shot for that much. But the way they're able to pull it off is pretty amazing. I mean, that scene with that bird and stuff, you know, terrorizing the city looked wicked. It's amazing CGI for such a low-budget movie. Yeah. And, you know, what I like, too, is though the, the director and the people behind it knew they didn't have to do anything too spectacular. You know, it's all about just a little bit. But then, you know, that part's cool. But then it lost me when he jumps off and flies around in a circle and stuff. It's like, ugh. I liked it more when he was just insane and goofy and, um, but Emma Stone's great. And at that little monologue that's in the trailer that you heard the whole bit of it where she's talking about that whole scene is brutal. It's so great because like she, he finds a joint in Mm -hmm. her, um, in her like study area. Yeah. But when she tells him because he doesn't understand modern the modern world and she's like you're not relevant nobody cares right um <laughs> but it, you know guys so i can't put my finger on this movie of how much i like it because there's so many moments i like you know even when he's running through with his underwear and the guy's like come on sign it don't be an asshole <laughs> like you know it's and he's late for his curtain you know it's um you should just like it come on just yeah. like it I, I like it i don't know how much though Um, six point five. So it's in ten. So it'll be on the top ten of the. Will it? Fourteen. Will it? We'll see. Yeah. I know. I already know. I have surprises on there. You're going to be surprised on some of my um, picks for Film Explosion. I guess Film Explosion is only eight, eight weeks away now. It is. If you're listening to this and you want to chime in, remember we give out prizes. Last year we gave out Phantom Menace VHS cassettes. Um, we also gave out Alamo Drafthouse tickets. Um, so please send in your 10 favorite films of the year uh, when we get towards the end of the year. I was looking at the release calendar. I think Christmas is really the last movies that come out. So we'll probably do it around January 2nd, January 3rd. Yep. Um, this year, $10,000 in prizes. So don't miss out. $10,000 in prizes? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> oh, you, you, you're footing the bill, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a baby to feed. Yeah. No, it'll it'll be VHSs. I want to contribute to the this year's film explosion and donate some Alamo Drafthouse tickets cool. to that. So we'll have Alamo Drafthouse tickets again. Um, we'll also find a few other things. Um, maybe the one we like the most. I don't know. Do we still have season one Blu-rays of the Real Nerds Pod Show? We can send those out. We'll I still si- don't have a copy of that. We'll sign that. Uh, it's $15. $15. <laughs> I don't. You yeah. don't? I didn't know. <laughs> you okay. have them. I don't have them. <laughs> you sure I didn't give you one and you just got high and lost it? No, you you you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, so next week we're seeing what's coming out next week. Um, there's Night some crawler. movie, uh, some movie coming out next week that's a big deal. Oh, Big Hero Six is coming out next week. That's what we'll be seeing. Big Hero Six. Um, <laughs> we'll probably be seeing Interstellar. Interstellar. Um, I got to find a way that I can see. I really want to see it on IMAX. Um, but on Wednesday, my wife is working, so I gotta. If not, come down to the Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. 
What are you guys going to do for me? Uh, did the Alamo Drafthouse get 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter IMAX installed recently? That's really I guess we're going to have to see in 35 millimeter if we go to Alamo. Yeah. Uh, I, at least it'll be on a film print, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. it'll be on film. Come to the Alamo when you can't get your IMAX fix. Come on down here. Uh, yeah, so we'll be seeing Interstellar. Um, Sweet. And then also November 10th at the Buck Theater at 7. Do you want people to get there at 6 or 7? Okay, the uh, event, the movie, the main stuff starts at 7. But um, I recently added to the event description, 6 o'clock, if you come early, you'll get to enjoy some other less important stuff, but also awesome stuff. Cool. So at 6 o'clock, the Buck Theater in Denver, Colorado, uh, Brad will be... Free admission. Free admission will be debuting his new film, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. The film that me and my friends have slaved for nine months Yeah, it's, crafting. Been, it's been quite the journey. Um, yes. So I can't wait. You can, you'll be able to buy the soundtrack, T-shirts, um, posters. Uh, Adam and all them are going to sign them, right? If yep. they want. Uh, after the show, um, the cast will stick around. We might do a Q&A after the movie. I don't know. We'll see how everyone's feeling. Um, I don't know what anyone really wants to know <laughs> about the movie. They might. They um, might. How we did stuff. But, uh, yeah. Maybe you should show it to me before you put it up on the big screen so I can tell you if it's any good. Yeah. We'll do a private pre-screening. <laughs> pre-screening. Yeah. I'll tell you what cuts you need to make. And then you can write like a glowing review whether it's good or not yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, yeah. We'll sit around. We've got like character posters for each person. Um, yeah, all be, the actors are going to be there. We signing them. The real nerds will be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You should come and definitely support Brad. Yeah. We're very proud of him here at Real Nerds Podcast. And if if it does a great screening there, maybe it'll get to play at the Alamo Draft House. Who knows? We'll have to see. <laughs> Video Vortex. Did you, uh, were you part of the Hans Krippleton screening? No, but I've heard about this. I've heard about these, uh, this Hans Krippleton, what is it? You don't know? No. We'll talk privately then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Next week will be Interstellar. Um, I guess go see Birdman. I never said if you should see it or not. I think you should see it. Um, yeah, because it's even if it's weird. Like yeah, that, even if it's weird, it's different. Like I, like I said, I can't put my finger. on I like it. I don't know how much I love it. I'm going to see it again. So uh, maybe it'll wind up in my top ten, anyways. Um, but you should see it because it, it is pretty impressive. I mean, it's it's a pretty impressive yeah. technical movie, anyways. Technically, it's pretty amazing. Um, if you want to see a technical achievement, an acting achievement, yeah. Like there's no short string or short straw in that no, cast. No, 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 like no. everyone does a great job. I mean, even if you don't like these kind of movies, I think you'll still be entertained by it mm. because everyone's everyone's on their A game for sure in this movie. Um, yeah. Till next week. Thanks for stopping by, Zach. As always. You know me. Always uh, happy to visit the real nerds. Awesome. Um, Till next week. Bye. Bye. Suck my balls. <laughs> I was really interested, hoping that. James was going to watch be here because they gave him Roadhouse because we had like this 20 minute spiel about Roadhouse last week and I don't know if he enjoyed it or watched it. I mean, maybe you couldn't handle a discussion of it. That's maybe. why he isn't here this week. You know, there, there was like 10 copies of Roadhouse at Second Spin for $7 today. So, uh, uh, no, we just throw it on the floor. <laughs> Hopefully the baby will pick it up. Yeah. He, he's crawling. <laughs>
and download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover, and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.